Welcome back to Redbird Report. As always, I am your host, Scott Prieros, and with me I have my sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going, Reed? Good. Excited to talk ISU sports, as always. Yeah, uh, kind of an up-and-down week across the board, I would say. Um, ISU sports, uh, we'll kick it off uh, with men's and women's cross-country cross because they went ahead and took home two team titles, if I uh, remember correctly. Um, and then you had uh, Zach Loomis and Claire Foliage uh, both taking second, uh, respectively, men's and women's. Um, a really strong performance from them. Um, we talked about it, I believe, two weeks ago. There was their first meet um, where they, I believe, runner-up on both sides in that one, right? Um. They won the Hawkeye yeah, Invitational. That one was, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, on the men's side, or on the women's side, and third on the men's side. That's what it was. Okay. Well, as usual, um, Jeff Bovey seems to be doing a really good job with his country program. Um, I don't remember last year being quite this hot of a start, though. I think they're deep on both uh, men's and women's sides. Yeah, that's the interesting part is that they have a lot of – the same runners back it's not like a newcomers coming in and pacing the programs but you have outstanding performances specifically from claire fullage on the women's side yeah she's been awesome uh, a win at the hawkeye invitational and a runner-up finish um in their home meet the redbird invite so just an outstanding as good as you can ask for to start the program um losing out to just one runner in the individual side at the redbird invite so I mean, outstanding performance from Claire Fullage. She is really just leading this team right now. Um, and then, you know, a third-place finish from Lauren Scholes on the women's side, Zach Loomis. Um, excuse me, that might be a um, fourth place from Scholes. Yep, fourth place from Scholes. Yeah, and second fastest for the Redbirds. Second and third on the men's side individually, it's Zach Loomis and Matisse Chavand. Um, so just really outstanding individual performances, obviously lifting these teams, um, and just outstanding that it's coming from, you know, people inside of the program that have continued to improve. Yeah. And these are people that we saw in these names a lot last year. Uh, I know Claire Fullage, we saw a lot last year. Um, if I remember correctly, Mathis Chavand was the freshman runner of the year last year, MVC freshman of the year. Um, and then Zach Lewis, his name is always on there. Um, so you're seeing a lot of those people, those, um, I guess you would call them veterans within the program, especially Claire Foliage, um, really stepping up right now. And that's a, that's an encouraging sign um, to kind of lead some of these younger ones um, as well. But I, I really, I think this program has a lot of potential. I know cross country has a relatively shorter season um, when you really look at it. Um, they only have three more meets before the Missouri Valley Conference Championship um, every two weeks, essentially. Um, they go to Loyola um, in two weeks, then they go to Bradley two weeks after that, and then a week after that, they do the Bulldog invite before um, they head to Nashville for the Missouri Valley Conference Championships. But, no, like we said, I think Jeff Bovey does a really good job with all these running um, programs that he manages, and I think uh, I think you have a really bright future ahead, not just this year but in the um, coming years as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the track and field program that Bovey oversees as well just added a coach in uh, former director of – track and field and cross country at illinois mike turk who joined the program as a throws coach for the redbirds so very exciting news there to get a former big 10 head coach um, as your assistant um turk was re- uh, dismissed from u of i um in 2022 uh just apparently not living up to the high big 10 expectations yeah and um you know obviously it's a cutthroat industry but I'm excited to see what he can do with the Redbirds, you know, to have that experience um, 
in the in the Redbirds program, I think it's just an outs, outstanding hire that could really do a lot for ISU. Yeah, a lot of experience in there. I think uh, a lot of times the focus is on the runners because they've had some really good runners in the past, but to bring in um, an experienced uh, personality like that to lead a throwing team that has also had some success, but just to bolster that um, a little more here, um, I think that's going to be a really good um, addition for this program, to say the least. Definitely, and it's going to be a challenge, though, because you remember the two NCAA outdoor uh championship qualifiers they transferred actually to um taylor kesner a sophomore transferred to wisconsin my joy williams went to alabama so obviously going to the power five big 10 sec schools that's really impressive um so those two throwers on the women's side will not be back for the redbirds it's going to be a challenge so i'm excited to see what he can do especially with amiri buchanan on the men's side he's a standout thrower that will be back for the redbirds yeah definitely i think uh like i said um a lot of uh, high hopes, not just in this cross-country team. I know that's what we're focusing on right now because um, that's what's going on right now. But once the uh, indoor season starts, you'll start seeing a little more of what the throwers are able to do. And then obviously once the outdoor season uh, gets into full swing, we'll see everything. But like I said, they're back in action um, two weeks from now um, in Lo- or in Chicago at Loyola. Um, if that's good from you, Reed, I think we'll move on, though. Yeah, so I got for that program. ISU Volleyball, with a big bounce-back weekend, uh, goes 2-1 and one in Green Bay, um, closes out with a sweep of Green Bay. And I, regardless of the competition, this was, in my opinion, a massive weekend for the Redbirds because you needed to get just the tiniest bit of momentum going into conference play. Um, I know you had talked about it. Um, Allie Matters made a good point. In reality, in the MVC, getting an at-large bit is tough. I know the Redbirds did it. Um, when they were on that stretch of, I believe it was four straight NCAA mm-hmm. tournaments, but in a small program or yeah, small conference like this, it's hard to get that at large bid. So when you really think about it, these non-conference games don't matter a whole lot. Um, I know you'd love to win the games. And I mean, if ISU would have had a really successful non-conference schedule, maybe mix that with conference play, they could get an at large bid, but with a team like this that struggled in the conference that they're in, I think at this point you were just trying to get the pieces put into place and trying to find the momentum that you needed going into a pretty massive weekend here that, um, when you're playing a couple of Iowa teams in Northern Iowa and Drake. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you start the conference schedule the same way you started your regular season with very challenging opponents, which you know they could maybe use a break at this point, but you're going to get the two um, – I, in my opinion, it's not that case in the standings right now, but the two strongest teams in the MVC, um, and obviously that are very different schedules you're comparing, but um, they were picked to go one and two in the conference. Um, you and I was picked to win it. Drake was picked to finish runner-up. So I think you're going to get these two teams out of the way, see what you have in the MVC against mid-major competition, and go from there. I mean, it's going to be a test, but it's going to be a good test for the Redbirds. And I'm really excited to see how they build on these two wins because you get them in sweeps against uh, Green Bay to finish the weekend. And then to start that tournament, you sweep St. Thomas. Um, you take a set off South Dakota, who I believe swept the tournament, um, went 3-0 and there. And then um, also some interesting changes in the lineups. Now, this is just coming from the box score. But uh, Maggie Weller getting a start, um, Cassie Jordan continuing to fill in very effectively. She has 21 kills with no errors in a row. I think that's just an outstanding stat 
Yeah, no, yeah. definitely, 100%. Uh, it's just insane the rate that she's hitting at right now and filling in for Reagan Haith until she can get healthy and get back for the Redbirds. But um, Maggie Weller um, starting playing a lot after a few times being outside the lineup. Um, really impressive to see. Um, of course, Ada Shadowald and Hannah Reichensberg continue to do what they're capable of um, offensively and hitting at a high percentage, not just getting kills but doing it effectively is what I think has been the difference for this team recently. Yeah, definitely. I think you're, you've seen some different lineups, like you mentioned, um, recently especially, and you saw maybe a different look here in Green Bay. Um, but like I said, this is kind of the time where you want to be able to do that, um, get those uh, little things figured out um, within the, the roster, within the rotations, whatever it might be. And this is a good time to do it. Like I said, it's your last tournament before uh, conference play starts. Um, but to say they have a tough start to conference play, play would be an understatement I would say um Drake and you and I two of the better teams in the conference um it's gonna be a good test for the Redbirds and I think at home you have the pack the arena um Friday night I think that's a good chance for you to just show what you're made of um these are good teams and maybe maybe they expect to be able to walk through this but can you like I'm talking Drake and you and I maybe they expect to be able to walk through these matches but can you show them that that's not the case can you force them to five sets can you show what you're capable of right off the bat in conference play yeah no doubt about it i mean this team has to remember the last three chances they had in front of their home crowd they were not able to pull out a win um in the redbird classic this season and pack the arena last year you had against valpo i believe um or at least it was that big match where they were trying to break the attendance record and you fall short. I think this team is ready to perform in front of a big crowd at SefQ. they perform good very well in you know, high-profile environments in big atmospheres. So I think this team is ready to show what it's made of. You're still going up against very tough teams, but this is the atmosphere that this team needs to play in. So I'm excited to see how they do. It seems like they have setting figured out, um, at least over the weekend. Emily Weber um, just had over 30 assists in each match and played really well. Um, Mari Hinko, I thought, was going to miss time with a concussion. She cleared protocol and was back to play in each of those matches. That was huge for the Redbirds this past weekend, so I'm excited to see it carry over as well. Yeah, definitely. And imagine what happens if you take one of these matches against Drake mm. you and I. Like, the amount of confidence you get, um, that could put you on a stretch of winning three matches in five sets or three matches in – or three – Three matches in five tries or three matches in four tries um, if you beat Drake Friday. Um, but you just, right now, it's it's a clean slate for you. Go into uh, Seth Q Arena Friday and show them what you got because this, this is your chance to do that. Yeah, no question. I was actually listening to WJBC earlier and Matters was a guest on the show. She talked about how the mentality is to steal one of these matches, which obviously when you're looking to compete in the MVC, is maybe not the mentality you think you have, but you have to be realistic against who you're going up against. Um, and to steal a match against one of these teams would be outstanding for this team that struggled in the early going that's just kind of recently figuring itself out. Um, so I'm excited to see, with their underdog mentality, she talked about how they rarely get to have that, you know, being the target the past season um, after winning it so many times. So I'm excited to see this team play with an underdog mentality, play with a little bit of emotion in front of their home crowd and just see what they can do. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, uh, pack the arena Friday night at 6 p.m. and then 7 p.m. Saturday night against UNI for the volleyball team as they look to uh, kind of build off that momentum they got there um, in Green Bay. But we'll move on. Um, ISU soccer, 
um, continues their streak of not losing matches. They've gone four straight matches without a loss. It's uh, two draws and two wins in that stretch. Um, they haven't lost a match since August, so they haven't lost a match in um, in September yet. And it's that's it's we're a long way into September at this point, September twentieth. So it's a good look for this team. We talked about it over and over again last year, and we talked about it through the first month this year that it was going to take some time. Young team, and they're figuring it out. Um, they've allowed four total goals, a goal a match. Um, over the last four, and they've scored um, two per match, essentially. Um, they had one where they had four against Western Illinois, um, and they shut out Eastern Illinois. Um, a draw 1-1 against Evansville this past Friday as well. Um, but a big match coming up here against Missouri State. I believe that's the team that they took out of the one seed um, last year in that final match of the year. They'll be traveling to Springfield to take on Missouri State. But I think it's a really encouraging sign for this team. you got a really solid mix of young and veterans, um, and uh, Marissa Kresge is doing a great job with this program. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this goes. Um, that Evansville match was a tough one, giving up the equalizer late, um, getting your goal off an own goal by Evansville. So, you know, that's a tough match. You wanted to see them end up on top, but they held on and they uh, settled for a draw there. So I'm excited to see how this goes. I think we have to keep in mind that this team is a win away from matching its win total from last yeah. season already, which is really outstanding. Um, Missouri State is 0-1, the same as ISU is, with only a draw in the MVC play. But they have five wins on the season already. They look to be a really good squad. They play Belmont coming up. Um, that's not until next Thursday, but uh, Belmont's another chance to get one that only has one win on the season so far. So... Excited to see what this team can do, especially as Missouri Valley Conference play starts to pick up, starts to get going a little more. So we'll see how they hang in there against these teams that um, you start to see a little more of a challenge in the conference. Um, obviously, Evansville was able to um, not get its first one of the season, but you know scored its first goal of the season against ISU. And um, I think they're going to hang on to that match and use it for motivation as we see them uh, get on the road uh, in conference play. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be really interesting how this works out. you got a lot of uh, space in between matches here because they had – the last match was last Friday. They play tomorrow, and then they have another week off until they go to Belmont, um, and then they'll have the two games in uh, four days. Like it tip, The schedule mm-hmm. typically pans out. Um, but, no, like we said, I mean, we told everyone to be patient with this program, and that's what's happening. I mean – Marissa Kresge is doing a great job of turning this around. Like I said, you have that veteran leadership, but a lot of these young players are stepping up too, and I think uh, I think this is a really bright future with the ISU soccer program, to say the least. Um, like we said, um, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at uh, Missouri State. Um, Redwoods will be back in action after almost a full week off. Make sure to tune in for live updates of that. We'll move on. Um, ISU men's golf takes 15th at the Bearcat Invitational in Cincinnati. Um, a tough showing for the Redbirds after a really promising opening match, I would say. Um, what did you see from them, Reed? Yeah, I think you just saw the individual performances not quite where they were in the past. It's a tough field you're playing up against. Um, but, I mean, this team has high expectations. There's no doubt about it. Alex McCullough um, leading the Redbirds again. And... Um, I saw Will Troy step up on the third the third day of the contest um, and kind of help them shoot their lowest match of the uh, lowest round of the tournament. So um, I think you're going to continue to see improvements. Uh, this is a little bit – if you're just looking at results from a team's perspective, it's a little bit of a step back yeah. from where they were in their opening. Um, 
tournament of the season, but um, I think we're looking to see some improvement from the individual perspective and, you know, see guys go under par. It was just seemed to be a tough tournament for the Redbirds overall as a whole. Yeah, no, I, I would agree 100%. And those happen. Um, it, it's unfortunate that it was the entire roster, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. where nobody really had like an exceptionally standout performance um, like we saw um, that first match at the Island Resort Intercollegiate. Um, but it's early. Um, you got a lot of season ahead of you. Um, they have, I think, three more fall matches um, before they take a break off bef- um, for the winter. Um, but no, I think uh, I think you don't put your head down. Um, it's a tough match, but those happen. Like I said, you have a really talented roster. Um, Alex McCullough continues to do his thing with the, leading the team, and like you said, uh, Will Troy stepped up as well. So I think this is just one meet. Um, don't put too much into it, and uh, I think they'll bounce back in a big way. Um, they'll back in action next weekend. Yeah, um, they'll go to Madison, Wisconsin for the Badger Invitational, a three-day tournament. Um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, October 1st through 3rd. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, don't put your head down too much after just one meet. The last thing I think we want to discuss today, ISU football with a a devastating 14-13 loss at Eastern Illinois in the 111th Mid-America Classic. Um, Reed, you and I were both at the game. Uh, it, it, was, it was tough. Uh, the offense looked discombobulated outside of about two drives I would say you had um Wankers right and then Mason Blakemore get into the end zone um on the day um seven points left on the board with missed kicks which just kills a team and there's you can't say much about the defense I mean 14 points allowed Mm -hmm. um it's unfortunate that the seven came on that game-winning drive but they lead the nation in sacks right now I, I believe it's 18 sacks and I think they've only taken two Annex has only taken two sacks the big thing, though, um, three total turnovers for the team. They had just one through the first two games, three um, Saturday, two interceptions for Annex said one of them, um, a garbage time interception, I guess you would call it. He's just kind of make, trying to make something happen with about no time left on the clock. And then the other one was um, Daniel Sobkowicz on a little bit of a trick play. Um, didn't really fool Eastern that much. Um, picked off near the end zone. Um, but def- like I said, it's a tough loss. And when you look at the schedule, um, you had games circled that you felt like you needed to win. You were at a point where this is if you win these, you set yourself up at a good chance at making the FCS playoffs. And I thought this was one of them. And it's just the Mid America Classic's always a tough game. So it, it's just unfortunate early in the season. You they had a lot of momentum. The offense looked great, and they I think they took a step back Saturday. Yeah, it was um it was tough to watch the offense struggle when you really I mean you had to be thinking there's just not a great reason to be struggling against this team and you know it's tough to see where eastern is in its season they've looked strong obviously but that's just a game you really had to win because now your back is up against the wall there's no doubt about it you have to beat a team that you were not expected to beat to have any chance of making the fcs playoffs and that's just not where you want to be in week three to be completely honest i mean um the thing is, I I can't really point a finger, obviously, at anything that the defense did. But offensively, I think it's just a matter of not breaking out a big play. Yeah. And, you know, it's not really – I don't think offensively there's anything you can point at as saying they needed 
um, to do this better. I didn't understand the trick play, to be completely honest. At that point in the game, you're you're even. You know, you've struggled a little bit to run your play, but you're not, like, getting beat. You don't need to um, do something entirely different to just get something to work. So I really didn't understand that that one. Um, tough fumble by Cole Mueller um, to lose another possession, and then um, really just a challenging way to go. I, I just... I don't know exactly what to pin it on because I still have faith in the offense. Definitely. When they're hurrying up, they put teams on their on their back foot, and there's just not much you can do against them. They didn't seem to make Eastern Illinois uncomfortable at any point last year. It played truly like a home game for Eastern Illinois, and, I mean, you have to give it to them. They had a great atmosphere there. Um, there wasn't a lot that ISU could do to get them out of their rhythm. But, I mean, the defense, you have to be happy with 14 points allowed uh, against any team in any college football game, to be quite honest. I mean, it's just the offense didn't come up. And, I mean, we can't not mention the kicking because um, you left two point, field goals on the board, off the off the board, I should say. Extra point, um, you switched to Ian Wagner um, from Jasic after the missed field goals, and um, Ian Wagner hits the upright. It's just it's a tough way to go. And, I mean, that one's – you're going to hold on to it the whole season. There's no way you don't. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was tough to watch, like I said. I, But like you said, you can't give up on this offense yet because you have games. You have Lindenwood, um, a very winnable game. Um, they just took down Western Illinois. I believe it was like 41-38, something along those lines. Um, you got a game against Indiana State, a team that Eastern shut out earlier this year. Um, you got Murray State. These are games that you feel like going in you need to win. But now, like you mentioned, Reed, you're at a point where some of these games like Missouri State, Youngstown State, North Dakota, um, these are games where you feel like you kind of have to take one of them because with a loss to Eastern Illinois, I don't think seven wins gets you in the FCS playoffs. I think you're going to need to get eight. Um, and I think Brock's back knew that as well. Um, so I think uh, – but I think, like you said, you can't give up on the offense quite yet when they're when they're clicking – it looks good. Um, you just got to find a little bit of a balance. Um, you'd like to find some consistency at kicker, like you mentioned, but it just it felt like Eastern had momentum the entirety of the game. And even when the Redbirds went up like 14-7, it was just the offense couldn't consistently put things together, which hurt. Um, but they have a chance to bounce back in a big way this Saturday. Family weekend hosting Lindenwood, like I mentioned. Um if you can move to three and one, um, heading into the bye week, um, give your chance extra preparation, have a little momentum going into a matchup with one of the best teams in the country, um, in South Dakota State, um, they they have a good chance to bounce back, and I, I'm really interested to see how they do that. I I want to see this offense come out firing early. The defense allowing just 10.6 points per game this year. It's the second best in FCS, I believe. Um, I think this I think this program is going to be just fine. It's just you can't let one loss pile up. Right, and the issue, though, is that with the schedule, the hand that they've been dealt in terms of a schedule, um, and obviously you play a factor in that, but when you're playing in the best conference in um, the yes. the FCS, <clears throat> there's just not really space to drop one of those. Right. And that's what makes it so challenging is because now you have to go in and play, uh, you have to host South Dakota State, um, you have to play North Dakota you have to host Northern Iowa. There's just so little room for error that it's easy to let this one loss define your season right now. Redbird football needs to flip that and make it, you know, the one 
dark spot. And it's tough because those teams are just so good, and it's such a competitive league. Um, so, yeah, now they're, like I said, they're backs up against the wall. What can you do to make this, um, to flip some of those games that you're not expected to win and, you know, see yourself in contention for a playoff spot? But I think what you mentioned is kind of the key, that it is a competitive conference. Any game, mm-hmm. anything can happen any given Saturday. Um you beat Northern Iowa last year. I don't know that you were expected to beat Northern Iowa. You almost beat Southern Illinois. You had a really good comeback there. Um, Youngstown State, you should have beat last year, but you allowed that crazy drive at the end of the game. Like These are games that you can win if you bring your best football, and now you're at a point where you kind of have to win if you expect to be playing um, deep into November. Um, this team has what it takes. It's just a matter of putting it together every single Saturday, and I know Brock's back knows that. The offense didn't look great, but I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Um, I expect a big win for them Saturday, and if not, there's going to be some other questions brought up, and it's, it's just this program has so much potential. You have a lot of great pieces. The defense, we didn't know what to expect coming into this year. They've been elite, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. 10.6 points per game, 32 total points allowed through three games is ridiculous at any level. So, um they just got to keep doing what they're doing defensively, and the offense is going to follow in a big way, I think. Definitely. If that's it from you, Reed, I think that's it from me. Like I said, the football game will be at noon Saturday, hosting Lindenwood for a family weekend, so you can expect a pretty big crowd there. Um, but I think that's it for me. Yeah, that's all I've got. Excited to see how we, how we do this weekend. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a big weekend ahead. Uh, make sure to follow along on our Twitter accounts for all the live updates at the underscore vedette and at Vidi underscore sports. And we will talk to you guys again next week.